uh, the suspension should be stronger than what an alloy wheel is. And therefore, in most cases, the wheel might be shattered, but the suspension wouldn't have snapped off like a twig in the breeze. And I'd be perfectly happy to use a, uh, a forged alloy uh, carabinier, or how do you say it, crab as we call it, um, because I know that it's sort of strong enough to do the job. There's no way I could trust my life to a piece of extruded aluminium. There's just no way. Before getting into our normally scheduled disclaimer read for the podcast, just like to say that during the course of editing this particular episode, the plan had been to have a somewhat lighthearted parody song rendition included with the show. I may still put that at the end, but here at the front, just like to point out a sad news item. There was a wreck of a Tesla in the state of Florida, and there are pictures on Twitter of it, and it looks looks pretty terrible. There's the car is up in flames, and it looks like the right rear wheel, so that's the passenger side wheel, did possibly have a suspension issue in the wreck. I don't know if that, I have no idea if that caused the wreck or anything. Uh, the driver did pass away, unfortunately, and the 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 fact that this popped up during the course of me editing this episode was surreal, as I said on Twitter. So I just thought it would be better maybe to include that up front. Just to let you know that, you know, Tesla Q is a a lot about fun and games, but this is a real life, it's a real life and death situation as evidenced by this particular wreck. Obviously, I don't know the cause of the wreck or anything, but it's just something to keep in mind as you listen to this interview with Keith Waveneff. So with that, we'll get to our normal disclaimer read. Thanks. The Tesla Q podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended for and should not be used as financial, investment, or trading advice. Research associated with fiscal decisions should be conducted elsewhere. The host of the show possesses no license or credentials to warrant accepting advice based on what is heard on the Tesla Q podcast. Additionally, even though the host and guests may hold positions in companies discussed on the show, they don't have insights into the next time step of the simulation. Therefore, do not make any financial decisions based on the contents of this podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 19 of the Tesla Q podcast. Today's episode is an interview with Keith Wivenuff from all the way down under. Quick reminder, if you'd like to make a contribution to the podcast, you can go to the Square Cash app and search for Tesla Q podcast. That's TSLAQ podcast or go to any browser and go to cash.me slash Tesla Q podcast. Apologies that only accepts debit cards. In the near future, I will be looking into getting a Patreon account to be a bit more like a real podcast. Did get a, a $4 and 20 cent contribution couple days just a couple days ago on the square cash app so thanks for that and also don't forget if you want some shorty merchandise go to evacuationboy.com there are some nice coffee mugs and t-shirts other shirts and posters that are available uh they do ship even to europe i believe i've seen so go there find some merch you like and with that we'll get to the interview with keith wivenuff gonna be including two links in the show notes for this show. One is to the Tesla Bears Club site that Keith mentions during the interview, and the other is to Keith's book on Amazon about the great Suncube Swindle is the name of the book, and it's on Amazon. Hello, I'm here today with Keith Wiveneff for an interview for episode number 19 of the Tesla Q podcast. Welcome, Keith. And welcome, uh, welcome to you, and thank you for having me. No problem. We're going to talk a little today about the safety of Tesla vehicles and some of Keith's experience in that regard and some of his experience prior to that. So I guess we'll go ahead and get started. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Keith. Right. Okay. So my 
my background is that I was born in, uh, in, in England and uh, when I left school, I went to uh, did an apprenticeship and my, uh, my family has got a sort of a history of engineers, back to my grandfather who was got a bit famous as an engineer. But anyway, and none of my um, uh, parents' generation went to university. They didn't have a PhD or anything, but they were perfectly entitled to call themselves engineers. And when I left school, I was very lucky to get a, uh, a four-year apprenticeship with uh, it was the Ministry of Aviation at that time, but it doesn't really matter. And I was taught uh, electrical and electronic engineering, and I was taught the use of hand tools and machine tools, and from the absolute basics. Uh, and then concurrent with that was uh, uh, college education. So that took four years, and uh, there's lots of sort of pretty successful graduates come out of that um, that uh, that scheme. So anyway, this is my excuse for when people tell me that I can't call myself an engineer because I don't have a doctorate. I go, well, I've got a lot more right to call myself an engineer than some people I can think of. Yeah, in, in most jurisdictions in the United States, I believe, to legally call yourself an engineer, you're supposed to be a licensed professional engineer, from my understanding. Yeah, I don't, I don't, you, well, you can argue about that, but whatever. Yeah, we, we all know what engineer yeah. is. Yeah, well. A, a, a train driver is an engineer, if you want to put it that way, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, uh, okay, I understand so that you have. Let me just backtrack oh, a second. Go ahead. Backtrack a second there. As part of that training that I did, we did materials testing. Um, in the same way that you have non-destructive testing, you also have destructive testing, where you put a sample into a hydraulic um, uh, press and you measure the, the, uh, the tensile strength and the yield point and the elasticity and all of those things. So I've done that. I know about materials. I'm not a metallurgist, but I know the difference between uh, good quality metals and uh, less good quality metals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and area is a key factor if you're looking at at stresses obviously so cross-sectional areas i'm sure we'll talk about that more in a little bit yeah certainly yeah i understand that that you have some prior experience with uncovering a a fraud do you want to talk about that any or uh yeah i'll try not to bore you because um you know it's been a uh, <laughs> it's been a, a, the front of my mind for about 10 years or so and i, I can't get a bit boring on it but anyway in short i was building a house so among the other things i've done i've built several of my own houses and i've renovated houses so um anyway getting to the sort of final so you know i decided that i wanted a um uh to go solar so it just so happened that i saw this thing a story about this sun cube and it was supposed to be the best thing ever and it would give you much more power for much lower cost and all the rest of it and anyway, in short, it was just a scam because he never delivered any of these uh, sun cubes. He never put them up for testing. And the whole purpose of his enterprise was to uh, sell franchises and to ensnare a public listed company in America called MCOR. And um, as a result of my whistle blowing on that one, um, there was a pretty big scandal over it, and um, MCOR got a bit of a slap over the wrist from the SEC, but that was all. But the the investors in that company lost over a billion dollars. Uh, over a billion dollars was wiped off the share price. The, the uh, share price went from about sixteen dollars down to about four dollars. So it was a it was a pretty big deal. Um, anyway, that's enough of that. 
Um, All right. I, I then became really cynical about sort of what I call green widget schemes or green scams because um, as um, Greg Watson proved, and Greg Watson was the man with the sunball thing, all you have to do and perfectly legally to do is to claim that you've invented some new planet-saving green thing. And firstly, um, nobody will ever dare question what you're saying because it's such a popular thing and, you know, you know, we all would like to have clean energy. There's no doubt about it. You know, I'd love to have clean energy. In fact, I do. I'm completely off-grid. I put in my own solar system. So, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a believer in not shooting in your own nest and um, you know, using less electricity. I'm a believer in that. Um, anyway, um, I've completely lost my train of thought if I didn't want to have one now. Um, oh, yeah, so I started sort of uh, being very cynical about all of these new invention things. And uh, I'd get onto a chat room and I'd sort of talk about some new thing that I'd seen I didn't think was all that good. And I'd very often get thrown off the chat rooms for being negative and for daring to say anything about people that were sort of going to do something great for the planet. And um, uh, so I stumbled across Tesla. And I started sort of questioning their green credentials because I thought that like a three-ton sports car with insane acceleration and all the rest of it is not really what we need right now. Like a small electric town car that could take you from your home to your place of work, etc., and not sort of um, put any fumes into the into the city. Terrific idea. I'm all in, all in favour of that. Terrific idea. But I just don't see how the Tesla sort of fits into the scheme of that. So moving right along, I started sort of um, looking for more and more information about Teslas. And I came across uh, a really disturbing pattern of Tesla crash. And um, the, the images that I'd sort of find on uh, doing a Google image, image search were quite disturbing because I found that in so many cases where there'd been a crash, that there was one of the wheels come off, most commonly one of the back wheels, but sometimes the front wheels. And, um, and then I sort of Googled more and more and found all of these images of salvage cars, which were in the salvage yards, which again, half of them had um, the back wheel missing and the suspension snapped off. And I thought, well, there's something radically wrong here because uh, the suspension should be stronger than what an alloy wheel is. And therefore, in most cases, the wheel might be shattered, but the suspension wouldn't have snapped off like a twig in the breeze. So you, you started following this more with the release of the Model S rather than the Roadster, because the Roadster was a much smaller vehicle. Well, I started off, my interest started off with the Roadster, and I, probably because I saw the, um, the Top Gear report on it. And I thought at the time, I thought, well, all they've done is taken a really quite nice sports car, which is the, the Lotus Elise, um, which is, you know, I'd love to have one of those, when, you know, when I was young enough to enjoy it. But a, a lovely car. But they sort of pulled all the guts out of it and put a gigantic battery into it. And as we tore from sort of top gear, sure, it would go like a rocket, but it wasn't so good on corners and it didn't go very far. So uh, Elon's solution to that was, of course, to sue top gear, and that went nowhere. So, um, yeah. So back onto the snapping bits. Okay, so I looked at all these photographs of the uh, suspensions and found out there was uh, a common thread to them. There was mostly the, the rear suspension, the upper toe link snapped. And I looked into the story of how the, um, the toe links are manufactured. 
And instead of being machined from a, a, a billet of aluminium, first of all, um, they use an extrusion process. So they, they squirt out, and this is to quoting Tesla's own uh, proud PR back in sort of 2012, and they squirt out these uh, extrusions like a like a sausage and then they chop it just like lumps of play-doh and i thought well that doesn't sound too inspiring for a you know for a critical suspension comp component and then i sort of started thinking a bit more about it and doing a bit more research and i realized that there's a huge flaw with making the suspension components that way and that is that the grain runs crossways in other words it runs the length of the extrusion now, when you slice off a piece of that and use it for uh, a suspension link where it's alternately in uh, compression and uh, intention, um, that is just guaranteed to snap because it's like having a piece of uh, wood or a, a better analogy would be balsa wood. And uh, you can sort of tug on both ends of the, if you get a sheet of balsa wood, you can tug on either end of it and you'll never break it. It's tremendously strong, strong in the, uh, the, the grain direction, with the direction of the grain. However, if you try and sort of pull it sideways, it'll just split immediately and shatter because uh, the, it has a grain. And although we don't think of metals as having grain, in fact, they do. The crystalline structure yeah, is sort of... Um, it's not my spirit, it's not my, uh, my expertise, but um, there is a, certainly a crystal structure to, um, to aluminium, uh, and it's a vastly different structure to what you've got when you uh, extrude the metal. People with expertise in that area can, uh, can step in, but I will state that I am certain that that is a weak and unsafe way of making these suspension components. Yeah, my understanding is there's lots of different grain structures. Body-centered cubic is one of them that I remember from a class that I took previously. And heat treatments on metal components can change the grain structure different ways and make different metals harder and yes. and stuff like that. So, so, so interestingly enough, in the in the, um, the the last year, Tesla have redesigned the suspension and they're making them from forged alloy. Now, I'm perfectly happy with that. I've done a little bit of abseiling, and I'll be perfectly happy to use a, uh, a forged alloy uh, carabinier, or how do you say it, crab as we call it, um, because I know that it's sort of strong enough to do the job. There's no way I'd trust my life to a piece of extruded aluminium. There's just no way. Mm -hmm. So in, in this research, you've collected a lot of these pictures, right? Yes. And put them on a website somewhere? Yes. Um, my immediate uh, course of action was to report these uh, cases to the, uh, the SEC. And I filed over 200 complaints about snap suspensions, and they've all been published on uh, NHTSA. On this, uh, um, and simultaneously, I posted the a copy of the complaint and photographs which supported my uh, evidence uh, that there's a, a pattern of failure. I posted these on a site called Tesla Bears Club. Now, I didn't own that site. I can't even remember exactly who the guy was that sort of ran it, but it, it was a site which allowed me to put um, criticisms of uh, Elon Musk and Tesla on the site without them taking them down because I've been banned from sort of Twitter and um, Facebook and uh, innumerable internet forums because I dare to say something bad about um, Elon Musk. 
So anyway, um, so I, I put my posts on this Tales of Bears Bluff site, and I did not have any financial interest. I didn't hold any um, short shares or put shares or anything. I had no financial interest. I was doing it because I was really concerned that people are, are dying as a result of this thing. After about um, uh, six months of this, I got attacked by Elon Musk, who said that my complaints were fraudulent, and uh, you'll find that all over the net. Um, uh, and I've rejected those allegations, and I've challenged him, uh, and you'll find a copy of my challenge to Elon Musk on that Tesla Bears site. And I've challenged him to have me charged with fraud, and now, just to sort of make his case a bit easier, I've taken out some put options on Tesla. So I have a financial interest, and if it's true that I'm making fraudulent claims with the intention of bringing down the share price, I can be extradited, but there's no need for that. I'll come voluntarily. Just take me to court, Musk. Go right ahead. Take me to court. But don't call me a pedo. I won't be impressed with that. Yeah, ironically enough, uh, just this evening, we're recording on... February 22nd in the Eastern Time Zone of the United States. Uh, but just earlier this evening, the re- response by Vern Unsworth's attorney uh, made available online. So, yeah, did I, you I, I read that? Yeah, no, I read the whole thing. Uh, I, 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 read, I read like lightning, so there you go. <laughs> if, uh, if he does decide to call you a pedo, maybe you could jump on board and be part of that suit as well. Well, I'd, I'd love to sue him for calling me fraudulent. I mean, that's uh, that's defamatory. Uh, and the last person mm-hmm. that did that was my friend uh, Greg Watson from the Suncube thing. And when I challenged him and sort of told him that his invention was bullshit and he was a con artist, um, he came out and called me a short seller and a criminal. And I took, uh, I took Greg Watson to court for defamation and I won my case. And I did that to bring down a scammer. Uh, it turned out to be the stupidest thing I've ever done because I never got a cent back and it cost me over 50 grand in legal fees. So, you know, I won the case. I thought that would have been sufficient. I thought that would have been sufficient to sort of go, hey, but to this day, people are still defending him. You're going, oh, he needs a bit more time, a bit more money, you know, that's all he needed. Yeah, with, with that particular instance, the key physics factors are the area of the collector and in that case it looked like they were they had a tracker so that it would have a little bit better angle of sunlight well that, that, other than that, that that's no big deal and really nobody bothers with yeah. trackers. nobody bothers with trackers anymore they're more trouble than they're worth you know but that's another topic mm-hmm. so the main main thing that you've looked at with tesla is the suspension and you have uh, well it started off that way but of course i've been a little bit interested in the uh, the blazing batteries and in the slaughter pilot um, so I sort of gathered a fair bit of, sort of research on those and filed quite a few complaints. You'll find all my complaints on the, the Tesla Bears Club, and um, I, I made heaps of them. I've sort of uh, let's do the batteries first of all. Aside from the fact that um, uh, Tesla have chosen the most incendiary grade of battery that you can get, and you'll see YouTube's all over the place of uh, uh, people with a, a, a electronic cigarette and it's exploding in the back pocket, and that's what one cell can do. That's one of, what one of these type cells can do. Okay, well, that's bad enough. We can live with that, I suppose, you know, because we've got a management system. So how do they keep that thing cool then, um, Elon? Um, oh, well, we'll have radiators right at the front, you know, right at the front where they'll get bloody bursty, easily a crash, and then we'll fill the whole thing up with, uh, with fluid. 
because Elon's told them that it's sort of four times safer than any human driver. And then uh, where do we go from there? Yeah, and just earlier this week, I think he has made some additional claims that by the end of, I think he said by the end of this year, he expects to have full self-driving and the ability to actually sleep is, he, he doesn't think is all that far down the road. Yeah. I think I did, driver it, to sleep, which, I think I did hear something like that from Elon last year and the year before and the year before that, but uh, there you go. Yeah, I, I think you might be right. <laughs> It's, uh, it's kind of like fusion power being perpetually 10 years down the road or 20 yeah. years or 30 years or whatever it is. Yeah. Done a bit of research on some of those scams too, but uh, hey, another story. Yeah, there's there's probably been quite a few of those actually. Back on that steering rack thing, um, so uh, starting back a couple of years ago, people started complaining that uh, in sort of uh, Canada and uh, North America where there's um, snow and salt on the roads, but um, several people have just found out one morning that their steering rack just fell to bits. The steering motor fell off. And um, finally, after about a year of sort of agitation and me posting quite a few complaints to um, NISA, etc., Chesa um, issued a sort of voluntary recall. And they assured people that it wasn't really dangerous and it was just a matter of popping in when it was suiting, etc. Um, that recall is dragging its heels that you wouldn't believe. And there are still probably 100,000 or more cars on the road that potentially have this steering rack about to fall to bits. And unlike a conventional car, when you can just look under the bonnet, the hood as you call it, and you can have a look at yeah, the steering pump's okay and the belt not frayed or anything other than that. No, on the Tesla, it's buried under the front liner and even then it's buried down beneath another layer of guts of the car. So you don't know there's a problem until there's a problem. Now, is that a problem that actually rendered or reared its head while people, people were in motion? Yes. And, and uh, caused wrecks? Or? Um, I, well, I don't know about the wrecks because... Um, it, People are very sort of slow in coming forward and admitting that they had a wreck where it was ever the you know could possibly have been Tesla's fault. Um, mm-hmm. Let me sort of just because a random sort of backtracking here. So a couple of years ago, I was talking to a cousin of mine who's sort of you know well-educated engineer, in fact, and I was talking to him and I showed him the images of wompy wheels and everything. And he sort of, you know, he did me the courtesy of looking at all my images of wonky wheels and things. And he said, well, you know, he said, uh, oh, it's like any other conspiracy theory, I suppose, you know, you can produce a lot of evidence to show that you're right. But at the end of the day, it's just a conspiracy theory. And that's what I seem to be up against with, you know, perfectly reasonable, intelligent people. Um, they wanted to believe in Elon Musk, and they did. They chose to believe, and there's a mission to accelerate whatever it is through storefronts or whatever. Um, they, they bought into that and there's a sort of psychological sort of pressure then to not go, oh, hang on, I've been taken for a ride and then all the wrong. You know, it's a sort of Stockholm syndrome, you know. Um, so many people uh, that uh, do get sort of fleeced um, end up, um, and, and whether it's sort of that this guy's taken their money or just that he's taken their trust, it's the same game to them because that's what a con artist does. Well, I, I think a glaring, a glaring red flag is the fact that NHTSA published that autopilot 40% safer um, graph and statement, 
and gave uh, legitimacy to the idea that, yeah, Elon's right, it already is, it really is safer than a human. And to this day, they haven't retracted that. And then um, mm. there was a crash in China, way early in the piece, where this guy trusted the autopilot because the salesman told him that he could just relax and read a book or whatever, and he went plowed straight into the back of the truck. And the explanation comes out a long time later that, well, yeah, it will, it'll do that because um, it's, it's designed to ignore stationary objects because it might be, for example, a, um, a highway sign just off to the side of the road. And you don't want the car just slamming on the brakes for no reason because that's... So the Tesla sort of uh, errs on the sort of well, just carry on side of things. But Musk has known, and Tesla has known of this weakness for years. You know, even, even before that, uh, there was any publicity for that crash in China. Um, there was Joshua Brown who went under a truck and got his head chopped off. Um, people have gone straight into barriers and, and all the rest of it. It ignores stationary objects. I mean, why isn't that sort of a screaming headline, you know? Be careful. Tesla autopilot ignores stationary objects. Please be careful. And they've publicized that they have this new chip, this new hardware that's coming out. I think it's version three of their autopilot hardware. And all these people believe Elon Musk that it's actually going to be something like a thousand. I think he claimed something like a thousand times better than the prior version in terms of the number of frames it calculate or whatever it, it sounds absolutely lovely now can we see some sort of proper trials of this done please before we unleash it on the public can we sort of see it tested to prove that what you're claiming is correct please that that would be nice yes but uh maybe similar to that nhtsa data that might uh hurt tesla in terms of the proprietary nature of the data which i don't something that's relating to safety you know you gotta have a hierarchy of needs and safety should definitely be higher on the list than helping tesla maintain the proprietary nature of their data yeah i think public safety comes number one you know um i again we'll get into this conspiracy thing again so nitsa allowed tesla to um perpetuate this myth that the autopilot is 40% safer, and that had a direct effect of causing people to use it in a reckless manner, to use it while doing something else, while on the phone or arms crossed or fiddling with the touchscreen. It encouraged that. Now, um, to their credit, or to the credit of some junior clerk, perhaps, I don't know, um, all of my complaints, and they're now way over 300, all of my complaints are actually in this database on, on, um, uh, on Tesla. Um, and so are also probably about half as much again, uh, or maybe maybe the same amount again, from genuine owners who've supplied their direct contact details and everything. Um, and they're not just some sort of nutcase from down under who's just putting some frivolous complaints in. These are from actual owners. So hundreds and hundreds of complaints about serious safety issues, and yet there's been no real action from this sort of now, if you sort of um, scale it up to, say, uh, you know, a mass market car, General Motors or Ford or whatever, you wouldn't be talking about just a few hundred complaints. Um, if you scale that up proportionally, it would mean that Ford or Toyota have had tens of thousands of complaints on safety issues, and they haven't. Um, and before they ever get to that level, they'll, they'll take action. So you can blame this on the sort of um, 
the, the algorithm that uh, NHTSA used to determine uh, if, if, if a, a threshold has been sort of crossed. You can blame it on that, but I'm more inclined to blame it on sort of straight up sort of, um, and I'm not sure if corruption is, is the right word, but entrapment, because they've given Musk a little and he's taken a lot. And if now they go, well, hang on, you've gone too far, the whole thing unravels. And they go, you know, if this ever gets out in the public, all of these safety issues. Um, back to the blazing batteries, another random thought. So they had some fires in uh, 2013, 2014, and one or two of those involved wompy wheels, but they certainly involved fires. And photographs of the scene, again, show this... Um, blazing glycol on, glycol on the ground. And uh, the response to that was, well, we'll fit this titanium shield under the battery. And we've tested it with sort of sharpened steel pikes set in the highway, and we've smashed it into a concrete block and all of this, and it's completely bulletproof. The ride height have a couple of inches, just in case it sort of strikes another bloody tow ball on the road or something. And that was the end of the NHTSA inquiry. And then quietly, they lowered the back the uh, the ride height back down to what it should have been, and they gave a few people these titanium panty shields, uh, which weigh about sort of eight ounces, um, and they held on with sort of four little panhead screws. And the whole thing is ridiculous. It, it couldn't protect the battery from bloody anything. But that was the window dressing at the time to go, oh, we'll fix that problem. Um, and ignoring the fact that since that, probably at least a hundred. Um, other Teslas have gone up in flames on the highway in crashes or just randomly. The uh, the Tesla employee who was in the the crash earlier this week was fortunate and was able to get out of the vehicle before the the fire got him. I guess it's the the, the apologists claim that a battery fire is a much slower event and and that they'll have plenty of time to get out of the car and everything. But I mean, there's been a whole series of fatal accidents which show that that's not the case. And then uh, if, if, if a fire truck or even a sort of uh, bystander happens to have a fire extinguisher, you've got a very good chance of putting out a uh, gasoline, as you call it, we call it petrol, uh, a petrol fire, you've got a very good chance of putting it out with a fire extinguisher. And once you've done that, it, it won't flare up again, that's it. Sure, if the whole car is enveloped in flames like a bloody Ford Pinto, um, then, yeah, it's a bit too late. You need a very big fire extinguisher. But it, it, it's a reality that these battery packs, when they take off, they're near impossible to extinguish. I think I've seen multiple reports that it was three to four hours just to get the fire out. I can tell you that those fumes aren't good. You can look up the, um, the, the safety um, information on uh, lithium batteries and on burning glycol. And uh, you wouldn't want to be breathing any of that stuff. Horrible, horrible effects. Um, and, you know, pro probably the smoke would probably kill you quicker than the fire would, almost certainly. Mm -hmm. I think that's the case with a lot of fires, probably, actually. Yeah, but uh, Tesla takes it, takes it to another level with that, with that battery pack. Moving back to the wheels, you've got the collection of, of photos and the complaints that you've made. And it seems like they've changed the design. Do you know of any other ongoing activities with the NHTSA or anything regarding that issue? Or? No, I, I don't know what they're doing. Um, I've never seen one of the new, uh, the new Ford links snap. Um, Tesla have got a uh, technical service board, TSB, which shows 
how to swap the old link, or the old Sparrow's Lake link, for a new link, but there's no recall uh, and no um, action seems to be happening to retrofit that to the um, 100,000 plus uh, Teslas that are on the roads. Um, and they're still, they're still snapping to this day. I know there's someone, I think it might be Elon Bachman on Twitter, who's keeping track of the number of deaths that have occurred in Teslas. Yes. Are, are you familiar with that data set? Yes. yes. Uh, last, last time I checked, it, it, was, it was over 40, probably heading up towards 50 or 60. And the, the point was that comparable large luxury cars, like sort of Mercedes, um, top med, um, uh, and, and some of the Japanese makes, have a, a zero fatalities record for the several years that they've been released. Now, Tesla is a sort of, um, on, on its sort of uh, plus side, it's a big heavy thing, and it's jam-packed full of airbags, so you've got a you know, better than average chance of, sort of escaping a crash. Uh, but even then, um, the, uh, the fatalities are, are off the scale compared to comparable cars. And Teslas are going to be mostly bought by sort of um, the older demographic, say, because the time you've got the money you can afford a Tesla, usually means you're a mature age driver. And with it being an expensive car, um, and with hopefully not, not not being a young tearaway or anything, the, um, the the crash rate should be quite low because these would be conservative conservative drivers. But despite that, the Model Three, by the way, is a different uh, thing altogether because it's pitched at the young guys, people that sort of like to play with the touchscreen and talk on the phone. To me, it's pitched directly at them, and that seems to and be they like the the really fast madness. acceleration also. Why do you need that? You know, I thought we we're supposed to be sort of. Uh, transitioning the planet to a fossil-free future or something. Uh, where, where is? How does that sort of uh, match in with ludicrous and uh, insane acceleration and whatever they call it on the Model 3? How does that bloody sort of jibe? It doesn't. That's a good question, yeah. And, you know, it, 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 distracted driving is a leading cause of death, um, and this uh, Model 3 is just a temptation to be distracted. In fact, it's a necessity to be distracted because you might want to put the windscreen wipers on. And that means possibly drilling down through three levels of the menu, stabbing with your hand, while you're holding onto the steering wheel with the other hand, you know? It's madness. Mm -hmm. Part of their sales pitch with these vehicles is the fast acceleration that, in a way, encourages people probably to drive them maybe in a manner that's not the most safe. Well, why else, why else would you buy one? And I can see to it. Save I can the see planet, the and to well, to, to show that you're saving the planet. Well, is that too? Yeah. And how are the refunds going, by the way? Because I know a lot of people in Australia have put down their thousand dollars deposit, um, which is I find quite amusing because ninety uh, percent of our electricity comes from burning coal, and then the coal we've got left over we export around the world to Japan and China and all the rest of it. So you know we're a coal-fired country, and sure you could put solar panels on your roof, but really. You know, I've got solar panels on my roof. I couldn't plug in a Tesla. <laughs> I'm scared things might go wrong. Sometimes I've got my plastic yard riding on. Through my trials and tribulations, 
Thanks for joining today. Uh, any final words before we close out this interview? Uh, yeah, stay safe. Look out for Teslas. Um, and uh, I just hope that, you know, that this charade, idiotic, bloody Elon Musk sort of thing will be, will be over. I feel like the, um, the little boy that sort of... Um, shouted the emperor's got no clothes on you know because i've been doing that for bloody years and uh, also feel a bit like the boy that cried wolf so i don't know <laughs> don't worry lies i feel like i've been crying wolf for a while on this this stock and some people some people listen of course the tesla q people listen but some of the people on the other side have closed their ears it seems like so. Well, the shocking thing that I find is that the media holds up Musk to be a, a hero and has never questioned the, you know, the mainstream media. And whenever he's on 60 Minutes or something, you've got these sort of uh, reporters who are just, uh, just salivating, just sort of going, oh, oh, Elon, oh, you're a god and all the rest of it. Can't they just see what bullshit this is? It's madness. <laughs> And it's like it's like the, the product launches, like the the, uh, the Model Three launch and the Semi launch and the 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 the, the, the sewer pipe to nowhere. All of those things. He has his hand-picked cheerleaders that just sort of go Elon for president, Elon for president, and they're just funny, like a revivalist meeting. It's just mm-hmm. insane. It's a cult. That's it. It's a cult definitely has the resemblance of that for yeah. sure uh, so my final my final sum, summation is it's a cult <laughs> mm-hmm. well thanks for joining Keith glad you could make it from all the way down under yeah and, oh, internet. oh also maybe you, you you should read my book it's um quite interesting <laughs> so it's uh, called the all great right. the uh, the great sun cube swindle by uh, Keith with an F and um, it's different <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that's on Amazon, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the best place just, to find it? Yeah, just look up, Keith. All right. Well, thanks for joining today. Okay, thank, with you, that, thank you, TQ. Well, I hope, look forward to <laughs> embarrassing, embarrassing myself in public. Be good. Okay, see ya. Bye. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye.